0: Beyond the the headlines, this is World Insight. On today's World Insight, a walk down memory lane in the grim clutches of World War II. Chinese courage, determination, and American resolve in the face of aggression remembered as China welcomes back veterans of the American Volunteer Group, popularly known as the Flying Tigers. This is their story.
1: Though in the West, The Second World War started in 1939. In China, it all started with the intrusion by the Japanese troops on China in 1937. Later, the war against the Japanese aggression by the Chinese people escalated into a major campaign of the Pacific Theater during the Second World War. The Chinese built the Museum of the War of Chinese People's Resistance against the Japanese aggression. Part of the exhibition is devoted to the appreciation the Chinese people have for the American Flying Tigers. The American Volunteer Group was later known by their moniker the Flying Tigers Though only in combat for less than seven months from 1941 to 1942, the group became famous at the time for helping the Chinese people to inflict outsized damage on Japan's much better equipped and much larger aircraft fleet. Recently, the few surviving members of the Flying Tigers visited China. Their delegation also included the children and grandchildren of members of the Flying Tigers and elected officials from the state of California.
2: Now, I wasn't a pilot. I was a nose gunner, a nose turret gunner on a B-24 bomber. We were stationed in Kunming and then uh, Shen I was just 18 years old.
1: What was it like uh, to be the wife of Flying Tiger? Well, it was certainly interesting to hear their stories, and it's
3: been wonderful coming back to China to see the places he was when he was 18 years old. And it's it's been great to
1: see what China has become. The Flying Tigers were created in the face of combat prior to Pearl Harbor. The U.S. wanted to retain a facade of neutrality then, while helping Chinese against the Japanese invasion. So only Chinese funds were used to buy American aircraft and supplies, and China paid the salaries of the volunteer squadrons. But after Pearl Harbor, the U.S. was formally at war with Japan. U.S. military leaders pushed for the AVG to be absorbed into the U.S. Army Air Forces The leader of Flying Tigers, General Chennau, rejoined the Army in 1942. By July 1942, the Flying Tigers were officially integrated into the new 23rd Fighter Group. But all these parts of the history was not as well-known in America as it is in China. Clifford Long Jr. is the son of a Flying Tiger, 14th Air Force fighter pilot Cleaford Long, Sr. He brought his father's photos and his 15-year-young grandson Jackson over to China this time. He wants that part of history to be remembered. He also wants the friendship between ordinary Chinese and Americans to be carried on. Yeah, that's him?
3: That's him. You
2: can hold this? Hold on. Yeah, hold yeah. it.
1: Oh. Hold the I'm the
2: errand boy of this group, so... Yeah? So, yeah. This
1: is your great-grandpa? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. That's... So uh, huge! That's him? That's him, See, mm-hmm. He seems to be having fun, yeah? Well, smiling, like, for smiling for the picture. for <laughs> picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i hold this one too, don't Yeah. yeah.
3: He always had his... uh My mother's name written on the plane, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, on the fuselage. Right. They would write something. Right. He always put my mother. It was just his girlfriend at the time. They weren't married, and he had her name on the plane. And uh, he rushed.
1: After that, they married. he, He
3: rushed home. From uh, the war after the war, and then he rushed home to marry her, mm. and uh, so they were together seventy some years. Uh, this we is we want to
1: show you. Yeah. This
3: is a picture of them before the war. Um, okay, uh, and he he was 17 and she was 16. Wow. And uh, I call Look that, at that. I, I, do, do you know about the movie uh, Bonnie and Clyde? Yes. Okay, I call that the Bonnie and Clyde shot.
1: <laughs> That's really fun, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Wow.
2: So. Well, he looks a lot like me, so I thought uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was impressive that his plane, it just looks so clean, you know? Yeah. I'd assume like at times where I assume it's really dirty, but I was really impressed that he was able to keep it clean.
1: Mm-hmm. He loves his plane. Oh, yeah. I could
2: tell he loves his Shirley.
1: Yeah, He's like, it's like his body, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at war, the plane's basically an extension of yourself. If it gets hit, you're, you're done. Mm.
1: Your grandpa knows all the details. Oh,
2: yeah, all, the details. all He's, the details. He even hides some from me, so he looks better when oh. we get interviewed. <laughs> That's yeah. really
1: wonderful. I see you cherish that part of history I love mm-hmm. it so much.
3: We all do. It chokes me up when I talk about it. It's sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh,
2: this
0: was point. when they came over.
3: It's okay. In, in his uh, notes, I have a, uh, a page there that he listed his trip over to China, where he flew. You know how he how he got here, and he had to travel to South America, over to Africa, up up. You know through there and and over to, to china mm-hmm. there was no going straight across no. they had to at the time. they had to go all the way around i mean it, it, days and days right.
1: yeah. they were really young you know like almost your age just a little oh. bit older yeah about no. two years about two years mm-hmm. you know can you imagine yourself uh, in the shoes of theirs at that time i um,
2: mean not exactly but i definitely give it a go yeah <laughs> i was thinking about getting my pilot's license oh you so did I can but I gotta be 16. Okay. So I gotta wait a while.
1: Maybe you can fly also to China one day. <laughs> Maybe. You know, be a great grandfather. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Following okay. his footsteps.
1: Indeed. I now I know that you are building friendship schools.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, between Chinese and uh, American schools, high schools, right? Mm-hmm and i know he is the first on the volunteer list
3: that's
2: me <laughs> out of 25 number one
1: yeah number one why is that important to you my dear
2: i don't know It was just cool to be number one i mean first person everybody's behind me i guess <laughs>
1: that's very good but you know what are these friendship schools for what do you think
2: strengthening our relationship with china really just building friendships and bonds that we can carry on in the future
1: with your peers, right? Yeah. Are you proud? Aren't you proud?
3: Oh, very much. That's why I brought him along. <laughs> he's uh, he's amazing uh, for a 15-year-old. He's so poised and intelligent, and um, he's very interested in learning. And uh, so it, it's I can sit at home and talk to him and tell him my father's stories and talk to him about China, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it It would not even be close to having him come here and experience it himself. So that's what's so important.
1: There are no extraordinary men, only extraordinary circumstances that ordinary men are forced to deal with. The Flying Tigers are certainly a demonstration of that. Their stories have become legends in China. Their missions are becoming part of the shared history between China and the United States no wonder when harry moyer who is celebrating his 103rd birthday during this trip in china he's got so many beautiful cakes so many heartfelt best wishes When hanging out with this delegation, one could find the name of General Chennau in almost every conversation they had about history. Claire Lee Shenau first went to China to survey the Chinese Air Force readiness and stayed on to lead the creation of the American Volunteer Group. He was a U.S. Army aviator, instructor, and tactician. He is a legend even once described by the Time magazine as lean, heartbeaten and taciturn. He was both tough, strong and soft-hearted though in the eyes of the Flying Tigers and his family. How did he convey those part of his life to you, for example, the family? Well members?
4: I was only eight years old when he passed away. Indeed. I didn't even know anything but he was my grandfather. but you know we have two grandfathers. My other grandfather was the kind where he, you know, he wanted to be with the adults, and maybe the children should go outside and play. With my grandfather Chenault, my memory of him is going to his house, he would send my mother and father in the kitchen to have tea with Anna, Mm -hmm. his wife, and he would take my two brothers, he set my two brothers on the sofa, and he would sit me on his lap, Uh and he would talk to us about what we wanted to do. He never talked about what he did. I didn't even know he served in the military until after he passed away. And he wanted to instill in us appreciation of education and how important that was. I do remember him talking about that. Are you studying? Make sure you study really hard. I was only eight and I thought, well, I'll, I'll try.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna see him exactly. again. <laughs> so you were having the special treatment sitting on his lap right? while the other kids were on the sofa. Well, my
4: two brothers were older. I was the youngest, so it was, that was kinda
1: easy. Mm. Mm-hmm. What is it like for you to revisit the history many times?
4: Well, I think it makes me even more aware of the responsibility that we have. Um, As I say, you know, they no longer have a voice. You know, they've all passed away. So it's up to me, it's up for me to pass it on to my children, him to pass it on to his children. The responsibility of talking about the friendship that we shared, because um, I think that the friendship that we shared during World War II helps us to build a foundation for the future ahead.
1: Can you bear it if it is being shaken?
4: <laughs> well, that that is difficult. But I've related it today, and I, I, I'll, I don't know that I've ever thought about it before. But you know, family members don't always get along. And <laughs> you know, they don't. And I think I've interviewed so many veterans. Uh, I, I interviewed, we have a veteran oral history program at the museum that I'm at. And I've interviewed so many veterans, and so many of them have told me how much they appreciate the chinese and they told me we fought together as brothers and they've used that word many times many different people have and i think that that's something that we can build on
1: have you formed your own opinions i'm sure you did
0: yes I, and like i said it, back in 2005 i came back in 2000 i think it was 15 and every time i've been here i just get a greater appreciation for the people here I could have not come back and and not wanted to return, but I have. I've always told her I would love to go back just because I like the culture, but I love the people and I like the reverence for history and their appreciation. I think that's what kind of sticks with me. And they're very respectful and we don't always get that, but I appreciate that.
1: You know, thinking about General Chanel, he's a man with a lot of personality. Yes, he was very determined person. Yeah and be able to make tough decisions?
4: You know, I think one of the things I admire about him, he made tough decisions that weren't always popular, but he stuck with them. You know, he, uh, even with the United States military, he was very determined in his ideas about fighter tactics and mm-hmm. fighter airplanes mm-hmm. at a time when the United States military was telling him, we don't need fighter airplanes. Mm-hmm. The bombers can do it all. But yet he stuck to, it. and if he had gone along with the military, he could have been promoted, possibly even made general officer in the military without ever coming to China, but he didn't feel that way. He felt very strongly that if the United States were ever to get into another conflict after World War I, that the fighter, fighter airplanes would be you know, necessary. And then he was able, he had the opportunity to come to China and to prove his ideas about combat. Mm. He was tough. He was tough. I don't know if you know it, but he was very hard of hearing. And he that was one of the reasons the mil- military asked him to retire. So he comes to a foreign country, to a foreign people. He doesn't speak their language. He really doesn't even hear their language very well. But he stayed, you know, when it would have been so much easier for him to go home. Yes. And to go back to his family. And he loved to hunt and fish. And he bought a farm. And he moved my grandmother and my mother could to that farm. Life. He ha- could have had an easy life. But... The one thing that too impressed me about him, he didn't see Chinese people as being different. He saw, saw Chinese people as being another human being in need. Mm-hmm. And that was what he stayed to help. And, and I really appreciate that. And I think it's something that we all could learn lessons for, from, especially today. Because we should not see each other as being different. We should be, see each other as all wanting the same things. We all want to raise our families in peace. We want to be prosperous, but we also want to give our children a better future. I had never met Harry before, the one that turned 103. Yeah. This was my first time to meet him, but that was the first thing he told me when I met him. He said, I just want you to know, I came to China because of General Chenault. He could have gone home, but he wanted to come serve under General Chenault. He wanted that opportunity, and he's not the first one I've heard that from. You know, that was one thing about my grandfather, I think too, that I've come to appreciate, is all the men that knew him, loved him, and they were willing to follow him, even if it meant being maybe killed in what they were doing in the combat that they were in. But they always wanted to follow him. He never wanted them to think of him as a leader. He wanted them to think of him as one of them,
1: as a soldier fighting side by side. I've always wondered what are the things he left him, he left with that you still remember or still use as memorabilia about his life. You have a museum. I have a museum, right.
4: And, you know, with the museum, my mother and I made our our first trip here in 2002, and we'd never heard the stories. He didn't come home and talk about how bad things were in China and how difficult they were. And he was very good about—my mother was only nine years old when he left. So, he, but he was such a good father. He was a family man. He wrote so many letters to her. He sent her so many little gifts, like a little ivory something or a mahjong set, you know, or a tea set, Mm -hmm. things like that, that we have in the museum. But he was a military man, but he was also a very good, kind and generous family
1: man. The stories of flying tigers are tremendous, but it is not just the stories about them. But also the stories about the friendship and lifelong bonds between them and their Chinese friends that are most unforgettable like this story recalled by this gentleman a member of the flying tigers and family members delegation
0: well the japanese came into the village looking for the flying tigers the first thing they did was they took the little old women of the village and they cut their fingers off one by one and they would not talk Then they took babies out of mother's arms and threw them down wells, and they did not talk. Then they went around and bayoneted all the men of the village, and they did not talk. Those 10 airmen got back alive, and today they have many generations that they propagated once they got home that would not be here were it not for the sacrifice that those villagers made. And I think that, that we need to recognize just how important Chinese villager and the farmer was to the overall success of the operation.
1: The stories of flying tigers are contagious, as they were forged in some of the most dangerous air routes of World War II. The airmen played an outsized role for the peace we enjoy today. Whoever gets to know that part of history will realize the importance of peace just like this large team of elected officials from California who has been following the footsteps of the Flying Tigers by traveling with the Flying Tigers and their families this time. Such a pleasure to see all of you here in Beijing. Oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed. So Mr. Fong, maybe you can say something about this delegation.
0: Thank you for having us today. Uh, you know, in the last three and a half years, because of pandemic, uh, not a lot of Uh, exchange of visits between the both sides between the USA and also China so I think uh, because of the pandemic it's kind of uh, poor people aware so it is very important for us to uh, revisit China again so that we can establish people to people's uh, relationship and also have a better understanding
1: so what is it like to be part of the delegation and you know going through so many different faces.
0: It's been a
2: tremendous opportunity to join this amazing delegation composed of many local elected officials and really here at the state level really having an opportunity to learn about the different issues facing the California China relationship Mm -hmm. and today we had an opportunity to connect with our amazing veterans amazing flying tigers. Yes
1: (laughs) What did you learn today that you didn't know earlier?
2: Today learned for example
1: about flying tigers.
2: The fascinating histories of Sergeant McMullen and Captain Moyer, their tremendous service and tremendous leadership and allyship and friendship during World War II to fight the aggression uh, from Japan mm. back in World War II. And just to hear their stories of why they served was so tremendous.
5: Well, this was a great uh, way to revisit China. This is my 16th trip. And uh, before COVID, we had a great visits. During COVID, it's been almost four years now that I've not returned. And this is the first time. That uh, any delegation has returned and so to me I learned that um, we're pretty much uh, getting back on track and that's a good thing for our countries it's a good thing for the world to get back on track and that um, some things have changed but not everything some things are still the same so um, again I learned that we're gonna pick right back up where we were we're gonna continue on to be great friends and uh, make great things happen together. You know, there, there's, there's things you see in books, right? And there's things you see in the media. Um, but to be with people and to sit in their space and to enjoy their food and to hear the conversation, it's an experience that you wish you could bring to everybody, right? If we could all sit together, if we could all eat together, if we could all just enjoy each other's company, you know, so much of our misunderstandings would disappear right because we we can all just understand when when i was listening to you know the flying tigers and i was listening to the people speak about what the flying tigers meant to them what the villagers did to protect them uh, and you you realize it was all about our, our own humanity and wanting to protect each other's families, protect each other's homes. That's, that's why they wanted to come here, right? That's why they went on those missions because they understood that it was, it was about protecting uh, these people who were vulnerable and need, needed that support. And it didn't matter, right, that you, what your nationality was. It was just that these were people that needed help and we could do that. And I think if we can continue with that vision, we come to realize that we are just one humanity. And 80 years ago, the Flying Tigers helped create that bond between the two countries to protect one's welfare. And here we are celebrating protecting all of our welfare, that's one, uh, one humanity. And so it's very touching to each of us uh, individually. And I have to say that uh, going back to my hometown, as a mayor, I'm gonna look to see if I can foster
0: doing a sister city. And uh, this is my first time to China. I have been a- an array of emotions, surprised, overwhelmed. I was reminded somewhat of Normandy. If you ever go back to Normandy to commemorate D-Day, the French, it is amazing, the French people, how they have not forgotten. Mm-hmm. And they show, out, they show up in mass to celebrate and to commemorate and I felt that today with the Chinese people commemorating and celebrating the contributions made by the men and women during World War II to to rescue a country and a continent and a world. So I was moved in that regard and somewhat embarrassed. The supervisor, you know, made a comment about patriotism and we're all patriots, we all love our countries but the Chinese understand and appreciate and know the history better than the majority of Americans do. So, I'm looking at this as a challenge. You know, what am I going to do? You know, the so what is, okay, I think we need to do a better job and the collective we, um, we have Veterans Day coming up and it's a good opportunity to remind our people that while we are a separate country, we are one world and that we should be educated, understand the cooperation that we shared those 80 plus years ago and, and to use that to continue positive momentum moving forward.
1: I've
4: been to China two other times before but never have had an opportunity to celebrate and commemorate the Flying Tigers and what they meant during World War II. My father would be 103 in a week had he survived and he was a veteran of the Pacific Theater during World War II. And he would have been so appreciative to know that all of us had the opportunity to understand just a part of what happened and what
1: it took for all of us to come together to make a difference and end that war. And so I was so glad to be able to be here today. And that's all the time we have for today. I'm Tian Wei. Bye.
2: Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive
1: on your favorite podcast platform and get ready to dive in.